Welcome back to Dragging the Dead. I am Tim here with Lance and Jen. What's up? So good to be here. It's uh, one of those, um, it's like getting acupuncture. You know, you have all of this pent up uh, stress, all this pent up anxiety, all these pent up emotions for certain people that you just wouldn't like bring up at a family dinner table. Like you just wouldn't say, hey, Alfred Nobel was a dick, you know? You wouldn't say uh, Jack Ruby was a great guy or Ben Franklin doesn't deserve the attention that he, he, he has, doesn't deserve the fame. So this is a good outlet. How are you doing, Jen? How's it going? Doing great. What a day. It's uh, Friday the 13th in 2020. I'm uh, a little nervous about what's going to happen. You got to tell yourself this is just another day. It's just another day. <laughs> just another day and just the only show out there that speaks ill of the dead intentionally that is our goal we are dragging the dead and each of us have a person that we've brought into this exercise and i just want to be clear that we'll each have one person each of us does not know who that person is and basically what it like tim your person jen and i are just going to be operating off of our our basic knowledge and what we're finding on the internet to defend the memory to defend the honor of this person even if it's against our own interests, like if it's truly like an asshole, it's going to be a bit difficult. An absolutely deplorable person. I can't wait to defend. <laughs> yeah. If, if someone picked Hitler, that would be a little weird, wouldn't it? You'd have to defend that. That'd be tough. He was a yeah. pretty decent artist. You could say that he contributed a little bit. <laughs> right. That's probably the direction you'd go. He's a man with an idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best idea. <laughs> An idea. All right. Well, Jen, I think you are up first here in episode two. Who you got? All right. So I'll deliver a few facts about this person and see if you can guess it. So this person um, is a historical figure. They were an inventor, but I'm going to use inventor in air quotes. Um, he has the most patents ever. And he was partially deaf. Most patents ever. Partially deaf. Mm -hmm. Um... Thomas Alva Edison. God damn it. <laughs> Edison. I feel like we shouldn't be allowed to Google during the guessing part. I think that the most patents gave it away. I, I was going to say John Hammond, but I think he was second most. <laughs> the same thing happened with Ben Franklin. Like, I, I thought I picked, like, obscure facts, but you guys just type it into your porn machine. Did you just say porn machine? <laughs> yeah, that's what I call computers. <laughs> Well, tell us why uh, Thomas Edison uh, deserves to be dragged, because to me, he seems like uh, basically a founding father of this nation. So Edison, a lot like Franklin, is lauded as this, you know, inventive genius. But he was really just a businessman that steamrolled greater minds than his to make a profit. I mean, so far you're describing the American way. So I don't see a problem with this whatsoever <laughs> so far. Yeah, I guess you have to begin from a platform of like anti-capitalism. So what invention was Edison most known for? The chainsaw. The light bulb, of course. I knew you would say that. <laughs> the Edison chainsaw. The light bulb, yeah, didn't actually invent it. In fact, the light bulb, the incandescent bulb, was patented by uh, two guys called Woodward and Evans. And there was also a third guy who was unrelated. His name was Joseph Swan, who also worked on a patent for the light bulb. So Edison just saw this filed patent 
and then capitalized on the patent and took a picture of himself next to a light bulb, and the rest is history. Is this the same Woodward and Evans that broke the Watergate scandal? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, they went on to do better things. Edison still stole a patented idea and passed it off as his own. Well, that's unconfirmed. Unconfirmed, I'd say. It is confirmed. There's a filed patent. I would also go on a limb and say that there wouldn't have been the American Industrial Revolution without Thomas Edison, and that was a very important time in our history. Of course it was. The revolution? Yes. The Industrial Revolution. Right. Industries. Industry, jobs. Those are important. I'll give you that, that he was a major industrialist, but he shouldn't be lauded as an inventor and a genius because he didn't invent this shit. He stole other people's ideas. He's a good businessman. He sure is, and he's a goddamn American. (laughs) Is that going to be our argument every time? That he was a (laughs) goddamn American? God damn it. (laughs) What would people do without General Electric? I mean, he, he founded General Electric, and he also had... How many patents did he have? Like... Like almost 1,100 patents and all being someone who was partially deaf. Like he overcame so much. That's a great point, Lance. But you asked a question. I know what they do without General Electric. They'd be walking around bumping into shit. People wouldn't even be able to read a book without electricity. Tim, to your point, they wouldn't even be able to write a book. There wouldn't be books without Thomas Edison. Now, Jen, if you came to the floor with his uh, absolute disrespect for... Nikola Tesla, then I'd be like, okay, then we can have a conversation. But, I mean, someone was going to invent the light bulb. Someone was going to take that. Yeah, thanks for reminding me, Lance. That was my point, too. And it's a large point, too, because I happen to have, like, a personal affinity for Nikola Tesla. I named my cat Tesla. Um, I know a lot about his life. And he was hounded by Edison his entire life. So back in the uh, late 1800s, Tesla was like this unknown uh, genius from Croatia. And he uh, tried to get a job with the Edison company, came to America penniless with no contacts. And Edison, you know, had the wherewithal to, to, to see that this guy was, you know, super smart and uh, a really good engineer. So he started working for Edison and um, he was doing sort of the grunt work, not any of the like big idea sort of stuff. So he called a meeting with Edison and uh, he was like, you know, if I can improve these dynamos and make them more efficient and more powerful, you give me $50,000 with which to start my own company. And Ed- Edison thought that was a pretty lucrative deal because he didn't think that these dynamos could be improved. Lo and behold... Tesla just goes back to his little workshop in a couple weeks. He's improved these dynamos and he goes back to Edison. He's like, I've done the job. Where's my money? Edison has the gall to look this man in the face and say, you don't understand American humor. That's what he said to him. And he didn't ever pay him the money. Unconfirmed. <laughs> Unconfirmed. No, that's that's a pretty confirmed Fake story. news. Unconfirmed. All right. So he had a bad moment, but... He invented the phonograph. I mean, where would we be today without the phonograph? Okay, that's not even a single moment in the battle between Tesla and Edison. So Tesla leaves Edison's company and he goes on to found his own company, which, you know, didn't do well because Tesla wasn't really a businessman. He was an inventor, much unlike Edison. And so 
Tesla uh, goes on to, you know, sort of propagate the idea that direct current uh, energy is like more powerful and more efficient than alternating current. And then, but uh, everything that Edison invented ran off of alternating current. So he started this war, which I'm sure we're all familiar with because there's been like a couple movies recently about this a battle between AC and DC. Oh, yeah, the band, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just released a new album. I heard it's great. <laughs> Over the course of this fight, Edison resorted to uh, some scare tactics, including the electrocution of an entire elephant and multiple dogs in order to prove that direct current was more dangerous than AC. Something that needed to be proven, obviously, and, uh, you know, one elephant, a big, big whoop. He's also behind the idea to use direct current in the electric chair to kill prisoners. And this was first tested out. I forget the guy's name, but like they had to electrocute this guy like over 20 times to get him to die. So needless to say, the electrocution, uh, the execution by way of electric chair did not go as planned. No, it didn't because direct current is not as dangerous as Edison was uh, trying to prove it to be. He just wanted to make a buck. So he killed elephants, dogs, other animals, and a man. Oh, point proven. I mean, you gotta gotta (laughs) tip your cap to his motivation, to his drive, his stamina, really. Yeah, small price to pay, I would say, ultimately, for uh, electricity. Well, small price to pay also. Do you guys like going to the movies? I love going to the movies. Guys like seeing movies? Yeah. I hate them. Well, Edison was the first person to project a motion picture in 1869. I'm sorry, in 1896, my dyslexia kicked in. Yeah, so without Edison, you know how we'd be watching movies? Uh, we wouldn't. We'd be like looking at the wall. What's and be a movie? Like, oh, the paint is drying. Yeah, we'd be drawing them on little post-it notepads and flipping through it. That's your impression of someone not watching a movie. Yeah, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be it'd be disaster. <laughs> Torturous. <laughs> then people would read more books. They'd be smarter. Well, good. I mean, if it wasn't for him, we we wouldn't have books. So we'd only have to read them during the day because that's the only time we'd get light. Guys. There were books before Thomas Edison. Don't start with your college-educated bullcrap. That's unconfirmed anyway. Very much unconfirmed. Not a whole lot of stuff happened before Facebook, Jen. All right, uh, I'll go next. And uh, who I have, who I picked this time, is uh, a criminal. He's a uh, drug addict. He had long, gross, greasy hair. Joe Gibbons. <laughs> he had a horrible voice, and he, he, sang, he sang the devil's music. Charles Manson. Close. Whew, close. Um, gross hair, a criminal, sang the devil's music. A criminal, huh? Kurt Cobain. No, not Kurt Cobain. Johnny Rotten. <laughs> nope. Sid Vicious. Worse. Worse than Sid Vicious. The worst. He was illiterate. He never, he never even cared to learn how to read or write. And I know that because uh, you know, his song lyrics are just so bullshit. It's just he just plucked letters out of the sky. Tom Petty. How dare you? Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Ed Sheeran's still alive. No, guys, it's Jim Morrison of The Doors. What? Uh, what? He was a poet. Please. <laughs> Have you read any of his lyrics? Riders on the Storm? 
More like buttheads on the storm. The movie The Hitcher wouldn't have been made without that man. <laughs> he he single-handedly uh, put psychedelic rock into the mainstream. I mean, this without him, there would be no there'd be no sixties. Uh, there there'd be no independent thinking. There'd be no creativity as being acceptable. Wait, you're talking about because they used an organ in the doors that was so uh, that broke broke down uh, doors. Uh, give me a break. That was a piece. This is a terrible instrument. First of all, it should never be included in any song. It's actually kind of funny that they never thought to get a drummer. <laughs> yeah, they they had no foresight. Or was it a bass player? Did they have a drummer but no bass player? I don't know. I don't. I didn't listen to it. It's such. It's so. It's, so, it's such hard on my ears. It's really harsh. Harsh is my mellow. Here's a, here's some harsh is my mellow. Here's a song <laughs> lyric. I found an island in your arms, country in your eyes. What the hell does that mean? Ah, oh, it's beautiful. Jen, you gotta back me up here. Jim Morrison is a is is a rock and roll god. It's gorgeous, and you know, um, back in the seventies, this guy Babe Hill, who worked a lot with uh, Jim Morrison, said he had a beautiful throat. He said, Jim had the most beautiful throat I've ever seen. It must have been from all the singing and shouting he did. He had a big neck and a beautifully developed throat. And who doesn't like Ew. a beautifully developed throat? Disgusting. <laughs> that is kind of gross. It <laughs> <laughs> is a little gross. <laughs> what is this, babe? Hill? I don't know if that was a backhanded compliment or not. This guy was practically Satan himself. Uh, for all the reasons you guys said, he brought along uh, rock and roll music and uh, really just a terrible genre of music. He, uh, he he's, you know, started a whole uh, generation of drug users. Uh, you know, he glorified drug use. <laughs> he had a dog called Thor, which is a cool name for a dog. He loved dogs. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many number one hits they had? Zero. Uh, I don't know. They have a lot. I mean, without even looking it up, you can name so many door songs because they're just a staple in 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 your in society. Light my fire, the end. Uh, what's the uh the oh shit? See, you can't even name them. Roadhouse Blues. No, you can't Roadhouse name any Blues. Songs. Do you know how many times he was arrested? The other side. This guy was a hardened, hardened criminal. Wrongfully convicted. How many? T- well, he was arrested mostly on like drunk and disorderly stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sounds fun. No, he almost he he got uh, charged, I think, uh, or at least arrested for uh, almost inciting a riot. He took his uh, his wee wee out on stage. Do you know what he he simulated oral sex on stage with to one of his bandmates? I mean, how gross! It's rock and roll, baby. It's rock and roll. Yeah, if we didn't have Jim Morrison, we wouldn't have Marilyn Manson. Like the the. The theatrics that Marilyn Manson does on stage is just pure genius. I don't know if you want to make that point. Oh. (laughs) Did you know that one time when Jim Morrison was on the Ed Sullivan show, old Ed uh, went up to Jim right before they were going to sing their song, uh, Light My Fire. And this was back in 67, of course. Ed asked Jim to change the lyric from Girl We Couldn't Get Much Higher to Girl We Couldn't Get Much Better. You know, for television purposes, uh, you know, y- y- you got to just go with it, right? And uh, guess what happened? Not only did he say higher, he emphasized it. He, he, he emphasized it and he made sure the camera was on him. Old Ed Sullivan uh, canceled his next six shows, and, and rightly so. That's disgusting. 
And do you know what Jim Morrison said in response to that? When they said, do you realize that you have been canceled from the Ed Sullivan show? Jim Morrison said, what do you mean? We just did the Ed Sullivan show. (laughs) He just used that old white guy and just broke through the glass ceiling. (laughs) The glass ceiling for white men? Yes, for drug using white men. (laughs) (laughs) the only thing he did was disrespect a legend a showbiz legend ironically he's my guy for the next segment (laughs) ed sullivan no (laughs) but i'll I'll take him on next time he's a son of a bitch well and he was also he was also anti-law enforcement uh, and he was arrested on stage of course again in that same year 1967 and uh, it was because he he started uh, telling a story about how the police maced him backstage before the show started, and they came, they marched right on stage, and they took him off that stage. I think the uh, police emerge as the bullies in this situation, not Jim Morrison. I don't know. He had a a rock show to do. He was apparently in the shower with a girl. They were conserving water, <laughs> taking a shower. A conservationist. Exactly. He was an early conservationist. Well, we don't know the whole story there. Apparently, Jim Morrison didn't like parties either. He was more of a bar guy. And I I have to agree. Parties are kind of lame. You always get cornered by one person that you don't want to talk to. And Jim Morrison was instrumental in, in moving forward, again, this counterculture, this independent thought, breaking through the, the, the mold of the time. A lot of where we're at now wouldn't have happened without Jim Morrison. Cut your hair, hippie. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty criminal. Nasty criminal. <laughs> I think it was clear I won that round. All right, guys. This is somebody that I've been wanting to like have at for a long time. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to have enough time to get into every horrible thing this monster did. Uh, this This monster is typically regarded as uh, the first multimedia star. He was a singer, a comedian, and I say comedian very loosely. Uh, He was an actor, and I say actor very loosely, and to be honest, some of his songs are kind of a a snooze fest. He did allegedly pave the way for other artists like Frank Sinatra, Mm -hmm. and oh, Tim's nodding. I think he knows. I got it. It's Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. Crosby. First of all, the name Bing. Come on. You love Bing. I love to Bing information, but not Bing Crosby. And you auditioned to be Chandler Bing. I did audition to be Chandler Bing, but um, I, I had some scheduling conflicts, and I couldn't. Uh, I I couldn't um, commit to what Friends needed. It was too many seasons. Yeah, they wanted a big commitment. I couldn't do it. I want to be in that conversation with Bing Crosby's parents, though. Like thinking of names. Oh, when they're like, "Oh, we're gonna name our kid Bing." Should it be Bazingo? How about Woo? His real name was actually Harry. Uh, Bing Crosby was so horrible to his children that they fantasized about murdering him during their beatings. He would beat them so severely that they fantasized about murdering them. This is actually from the book that Gary Crosby wrote. Gary Crosby said, quote, am I supposed to act like I loved him all my life? And he said, he's, he's supposed to go on and consider this person how everyone thinks him to be this warm, patriarch, father-like figure, when in fact, this was one of the most violent monsters in history. 
Gary Crosby was in it for the money. Everyone knows that. He was trying to make a buck writing a book off his dad's name. You can't blame your parents for every every terrible thing that happens in your life. I learned that in therapy. Nope. You can't bl- blame your parents for every terrible thing uh, that happened in your life. Uh, in As a matter of fact, two of Bing's sons, they suffered from depression, and both of them committed suicide, shot themselves in the head in 1989 and 1991. Both of them shot themselves in the head? Yes, his son Lindsay and his son Dennis. Both shot themselves in the head, Lindsay in 89 and Dennis in 1991. And then Gary Crosby wrote a book called Going My Way, which absolutely eviscerated his father and his siblings said this book needed to happen. I thought they were dead. No, he had other he had other siblings because Bing couldn't keep his dick in his pants and really uh, had his way with the women. Well, geez, uh, Gary here pictured uh, on on set with his dad reading some lines. He graduated from Stanford, clearly just used his dad's uh, money and uh, to, to get into Stanford and then turned on him. Like it, like this is Game of Thrones or some shit. Guys, I typed in Bing Crosby facts into Google, and I just need to rattle off a couple of these oh, things. Oh, please do. <laughs> I think Google was even reaching for for good things to say about Bing Crosby. He got his name from a comic strip. He was almost Columbo. He took golf very seriously. He liked ponies, and he's responsible, partially responsible, for the Canadian tuxedo. Right. That's all you can say about him. He took golf seriously because he got to hit little balls like he got a kick out of that. Well, the Canadian tuxedo, that is a classy look. You can't, you can't fault him for that. But you can fault him for the singing, which was absolutely garbage. What are you talking about? He had hits like Out of Nowhere and Just One More Chance and At Your Command, I Found a Million Dollar Baby in a Five and Ten Cent Store. Those are fucking brilliant songs. Those are terrible songs. Those are songs that should never have been written. They're all songs with innuendos to beatings and, and dominance and just overall masculine toxicity. Well, that's unconfirmed. Also, people didn't know how to listen to music back then. I was in like the 30s. Well, you're insulting a whole generation? What are you saying? They had no ears? Saying they didn't have a whole lot of taste. I mean, you're listening to something in 1944, 1945. Garbage. Pure garbage. There's only like five songs out there. I would have thought you'd have more respect for our listeners, Lance, than to just say that. Say they have no ears. How are they listening to this show? Our listeners would never listen to Bing Crosby. Our listeners would tune into something a little bit more like uh, Jim Morrison, some something a little bit more melodic. Also, the only time I've ever enjoyed Bing Crosby was when he went uh, live for this Christmas special. Do you remember that with David Bowie? I was not alive. It, yeah, I do. That was, it was a brilliant moment in television history. Yeah, David Bowie and Bing Crosby came out and sang Little Drummer Boy, and David Bowie basically did the musical equivalent of reaching down Bing's throat, pulling out his vocal cords, and putting him in a food processor. That is how he left Bing Crosby just reeling on the floor. Uh, if you want to see someone with an amazing voice and someone who just doesn't have a clue, check out that video. It's just really making me laugh every time you say Bing. I wish I could say something else. Maybe I can call him Harry. Maybe I'll call him Harry from now on. <laughs> call him Google. Harry Bing. Also, he's the son of a bitch for even introducing me to Gonzaga University. Uh, he was a alma mater of Gonzaga, and I really wish that I could just uh, think about them as the fun-loving basketball team that came out of nowhere. But now I can't. I have to think about them as the uh, the, the the place that 
really nurtured the mind of this insane maniac. What, what about White Christmas? This is one of his biggest songs. Could it be more racist? What? What are you talking about? This is classic song. Now, I, I will say it sort of sets the expectations a little too high that you're going to have snow on Christmas, but I think that's the only fault here. Of course, that was uh, in, in 1942's Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby. Yeah, a very racist movie. A brilliant movie. Bing Crosby, the father of racism, basically. <laughs> He's such an asshole. Well, according to Guinness Book of World Records, his recording of White Christmas sold over 50 million copies around the world. I guess 50 million people can't be wrong about his voice. They they were uh, very short on options back in the day. I don't know, Lance. I think you've convinced me. I, I'm looking at picture of Bing on the Google, and he just like looks like a Nazi. Yeah, he's... He's got that, like... <laughs> Clean-faced, clean-shaven, boyish Hitler youth look. This guy was a family man. He brought his family along on these Christmas specials. He tried to get them involved in showbiz. They eventually turned on him. I think that's a tragedy. Everyone knows child stars. You know, it's tough business in Hollywood. You know, Bing was a tough guy. He ended up making it. You would think maybe his kids would have been able to uh, lean on him, but maybe that was Bing's fault. I'll give you that one. Uh, But... uh, you know, th- this guy was an absolute legend. Absolute monster. As a child, Gary Crosby had a weight problem, so he's fat-shaming his own son. Gary said in his book his, his father weighed him once a week, and if he'd gained weight, he was ordered into his father's office for a whipping. Said that he would whip his, whip his big, broad ass until it was bloody and called him Bucket Butt. Said his father beat him almost daily, would come home at 6 o'clock, and by 6.05, he'd heard the news of what I'd done. Then I'd get bent over and my pants taken down and beat till I bled. Said he endured the pain by dreaming up ways to murder his father. I'm just saying you have to be in good shape if you're an actor. You're going to have to get new headshots. Was Bing preparing his son Gary for showbiz? I believe he wanted all of his kids to follow in his uh, horrific footsteps. This guy was a pioneer. He even owned a television station in Los Angeles at one point in 1954. And he, he performed with Sinatra, Perry Como. I mean, the list goes on and on. He also won an Academy Award for Best Actor. You're damn right. Which should be revoked. Why? Wait, why? They should revoke that. He's not Best Actor for what movie? Uh, it was Going My Way. He even worked with your favorite Orson Welles. I do like a little Orson Welles. I hope Orson Welles beat the shit out of Bing Crosby. Bob Hope loved, loved Bing Crosby's voice. He said, what a voice. God, I miss that voice. I can't even turn on the radio around Christmas time without crying anymore. That's how much of an effect Bing Crosby had on Christmas. He's basically Father Christmas. Well, I'm sure all of his children had wonderful Christmases, and I'm sure whenever they hear his voice, they start breaking down in tears too, but it's probably for completely different reasons. Also, he didn't he didn't graduate from Gonzaga University. He just went there for a couple of years. I was like, eh, it's not for me. Yeah, he's a true artist. Bing Crosby has three stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They should take each one of those stars and remove them. They should remove them and replace them with someone more appropriate, someone who's not a goddamn animal. They give those out for different for different subjects. It's radio, television, or film. He's got three because he was such a goddamn star in all three. No, who else has three? I can barely name anyone else. Thirty-three other people have three. That's a, a drop in the bucket. And he was friends with Bob Hope too. Like, go to hell. 
Bob Hope. Mm-hmm.